previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm just going to take a T-shot. I'm just going to take a T-shot on 16. And miraculously, I get it over the water. It bounces to the right. It's in the sand. I go, yeah, sure, I'll play it. No, I played it. I got out of the sand, then I played 17 and 18. 18, (laughs) I did wait. But I didn't care by then. So I had played like 13 holes in an hour 45. You're still playing 15, It was was tremendous. (laughs) And I wrote you a note. About how happy I was. You wrote me a note detailing the exact story you just described. I'm so happy. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I was happy about that. I was tremendously happy about your, that. Your text had the same pauses, well, breaks, embellishments. You know, that's what writers do. They find something that works and they go to the well a little bit too often. But you had I, to wait on 18. I, got a, I did wait. I got a nice note from Chris Duke explaining... Um, the perils and privileges of being a single when you walked around a golf course. I think people liked it. I hope they liked it. I'm not sure. I hope they liked it. Let me just say hello to a couple of people that um, one person I didn't know listened to the podcast. And I'm very happy. My friend Pete Alfano, who I started with at Newsday, he's living in the Dallas area now, and he listens to the podcast, and that was a revelation to me. And also, I want to um, say hello to Peter Lazarus and his wife, Julie, who listen to this. Peter was the best man at my wedding 5,000 years ago, and Peter is, and Peter and Julie are, the godparents to Elizabeth Lauren Kornheiser, who celebrates a birthday today. And I wanted to mention that on the air. Um, and did you I, text her? I did early in the morning. I texted, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. I thought it was a little too early to call, so I sent a text to your Elizabeth, happy birthday to you. That is exactly what I wrote. Did you send a text to your sister? Well, I haven't been reminded yet. So. Oh, well, but you always say, don't remind me. You remind me every year. You start <laughs> reminding me two weeks before, and you remind me every year. I think I can be trusted to remember my sister's birthday. Okay, I'm just saying. So I'm very happy, and I wanted to mention that. And I wanted to mention one other thing before we sort of started the show with some emails that I wanted to um, review. And, and that is this. Last night, I think it was last night. Yeah, I'm sure it was last night. In the 6 o'clock hour, Doug Kammerer was on. And Doug Kammerer is the weather guy. And he's on. He is the star of Channel 4, basically. The weather people, now that sports has disappeared, local sports has disappeared on all stations in Washington, um, the stars are weather because people want to know what the not what the weather this has been. This is a been. tough year for Cameron because he, he has to be contained. Normally, he's on location. He's in people's driveways doing right. weather. Well, his holiday lights thing or whatever he does, and he's you know showing off his pecs. And I guess he works out a lot. He's, he doesn't wear jackets anymore. He wants you to see how well-built he is and on and on and on. But he said something last night. I think he said this. I think he was talking about Saturn being visible to the naked eye in the sky. And its rings, in fact, being visible. And then he said, if you've got a binocular, set of binoculars, you know, you don't, you don't need the Hubble telescope for this. You only need a set of binoculars and you can see Saturn and you can see the rings. That's, I was vaguely listening. And I think that's what he said. When I went out to walk the dog this morning in the southeastern sky, where I live in the southeastern sky and much further east than where the moon was at six o'clock in the morning, much further east. There was a very, very, very bright star and much larger than most stars. And I have convinced myself that it was Saturn and that indeed I could see what would actually be the rings around Saturn. For me, they were just, they just added volume to the star or to the, well, it's not a star, it's a planet. Um, They just added volume to it and weight to it. In other words, I could see more of it. And I'd like to know if that's true. I'm sure a lot of people out there are astronomers or just regular smart people and know this to be true. That's what I thought I saw in the sky What today. are the chances it was Uranus? Um, <laughs> chances are good. <laughs> I don't think that's visible. Um, the naked Uranus may not be visible to the naked eye. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, so I wondered, uh, I wondered if that was true. And if it was true, you know, I would be happy. I would be happy that I got that right. I would be happy. Good afternoon, Tony. My name is Rob McGoodwin, and among other things, I'm a retired gallery guard from the Masters Golf Tournament. I retired in 2019, having served 25 years on hole number five. That was my next question. Hole number five, okay. (laughs) Tiger Woods bogeyed it all four days, 2019. Is that right? And still won the Masters? Yes. Wow. 
After my retirement, my wife and I started a company making brightly colored tropical belts and pocket squares. And we also have a line of collegiate belts and squares for all the schools in the SEC in stripes, polka dots, and checkerboard designs. We call our company DeltaBelt.com. I would like to send you several complimentary samples of our belts and squares. You don't have Binghamton, do you? Like, I'm just going to take a guess. You don't have Binghamton. If you're concentrating on the SEC and all the people that go to those schools and how involved in sports they are and involved in dressing they are, then you I probably don't have Binghamton. Cumberbund. Yeah. Um, I'd like to send you several complimentary samples of our belts and squares. Just go to our website and pick out what you like, and I'll ship them to you. Isn't that nice? Our goal is to become the official belt company of the Tony Kornheiser Show. That's fine. Our son and I love your show, and we want you to have, and this is a great line, great taste around your waist. Isn't that nice? That's a nice that line. Nice. I hope to hear back from you soon. That's the Delta Belt Company. I'm sure they don't have Binghamton. I wonder if they have Penn. They probably have Penn. They're probably aspirational for the SEC kids. No, it's, it sounds like they found their market. Yeah, well, it will be nice if they had that. And uh, Bill McMains, who writes, longtime listener, first-time writer here, coming to you from Moscow. Yes, the cold Russian one by way of Texas and China and Turkey and Thailand in between. Meaning I'm a longhorn who's been bouncing around the world the last dozen years, and you and the whole crew have made my adventures much easier by bringing me laughter no matter where I may find myself. As a token of my appreciation, I'd like to send you a gift, something I've done for my family and friends back home the last couple of Christmases, but need your input and help before I have it made and sent your way. What it is, what is it, you may ask? Well, you know those stacking dolls that are called matryoshkas here, but nesting dolls stateside? I have a friend that makes them with custom images painted on them. As a going-away present last year for a fellow American expat, previously residing in Moscow and a huge TK fan, I made him a 10-stacker. Uh, it now dons his mantle in Chicago. Shout out to Jeff from Oklahoma. They are top-notch quality, custom-made to specifications, and nobody I've gifted them to has been disappointed, and I don't think you will either. So what do I need from you besides a mailing address? Well, we need to choose the 10 people to make up the doll and the order of importance. I know Wilbon would want to be the biggest doll, but it's time we showed him who the real star is. So you're doll number one, the biggest. Obviously. But doll number two, then, is a dilemma. Your son or the loyal arguing partner of so many years? Who's number two? Help. Of course, we need Gary and David and Tori and Liz and Jeannie. Uh, but I need thoughts on the smallest one. Doll number I'm 10, is it Saliza or Nigel? Who is oh, tiniest wow. in Uncle Tony's big family? Again, I leave it to your orangeness. This is a great email. If you are indeed interested, please let me know the order prefer. If you have funny images of each person, uh, or I'll just let the interweb help me and I'll do the rest. Lastly, in the area of flying talismans, you, my old loud orange compatriot, are my personal piece of luck. I have a fear of flying that may rival your own. Yet my financial resources don't grant me access to the wealth of luxuries you take advantage of. So every time I take off, which is far more often than I'd like, I listen to the TK crew and it brings me a little peace of mind. Isn't that nice? That's nice. I'll be doing exactly that this Sunday as I travel back to Texas to escape the Russian cold for a few weeks. So make Friday show a good one. That's today, as the thousands before it have been. That's really nice. I will let Nigel handle this. And I will just say uh, out there to people who want to send us things. And for years, you did. And then you brought things to chatter, for which I was very, very grateful, even though, to be fair, most of the stuff you gave was junk, <laughs> except for the chicken feet, which were <laughs> tremendous. Well, Dried yeah, so um, skins. Yeah. Don't, you know... We're out of that now. I mean, we're not in a position to receive any of your gifts. We'll be back in studio soon yeah, enough. Yeah, hold it. Hold them. You know, hold all your gifts for a while. Hold them for a while, and I, I just think that'll be, that'll be good. Um, and I would like I just, to say that if, yeah. if this bloke, the, the Russian bloke, if, he want, if I'm going to be handling this, I'd like to be bumped up from, is Nigel the last on the list? That's all. Yeah, yeah. There's a little shot at me and Saliza right there. It was. Well, no, more of you because Saliza was ahead of you. So it was nine, you were 10. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't normally mention this because it's so small, but I am that kind of person. The fact that Paul George was given a max extension, $190 million over four years, just proves that Steve Ballmer doesn't know anything about basketball. He doesn't. He overpaid for the team by a factor of 4,000, making all the other owners happy because it inflated their basketball teams. He, you know, got Kawhi Leonard, which was smart. Somebody probably told him to do it. But to give Paul George, who is a choker, an obvious choker, look, he calls himself playoff P. He's terrible. He was terrible in the game they had to win last year. And it was a game seven. They were up 3-1. They lost game seven. He was terrible. He had like 10 points in 38 minutes and seven turnovers. I have the statistics somewhere. They're terrible. 
He shot four for 16. Terrible. And you're giving this guy a max extension? Why would you do that? You could trade him for somebody better than him. You could do that to match with Kawhi Leonard. I just, I don't, I absolutely don't understand that. And then Paul George rips Doc Rivers. He blames Doc Rivers for the collapse of the Clippers. Okay? And, and Doc Rivers bears some responsibility because Doc Rivers is the only coach in NBA history, and I like Doc personally, but this is true. He's the only coach in NBA history to lose three playoff series when being up 3-1. Nobody else has lost more than one. Nobody. He's lost three. But one of the reasons he lost this one was Paul George was one of his players. And Paul George gagged. You hear me? You heard me say this a lot about John Wall, who I now feel sorry for, because John Wall is going, going to a team that's going to win 15 to 18 games, and he will be the sound of a tree falling in the forest, no matter how many points he scores. But I said, John Wall got on the table at game six and celebrated himself as well as his teammates and his situation. And then in game seven, missed his last 11 shots and scored no points at all in the fourth quarter. Don't tell me about game six if you're going to play game seven. Show me that you're a great player in the most important part. Look, look at LeBron James. You can't get to the finals that many times if you don't win a bunch of game sevens. I mean, that's, that's clutch performance, what you do in game seven or in deciding playoff games. Ultimately, game seven is the decisive playoff game, and Paul George stunk. So you you give him I don't you give him a mask. Am I crazy on this? I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. You're shaking your head. It's 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 no, I'm just radio. Letting you, I'm letting you roll. Yeah, no, but I mean that's I wouldn't have given him that money. I would not have given him a max extension. So he's unhappy. So so you know what? Trade him for James Harden. Trade him for James Harden. You think the Clippers wouldn't get the better of that deal? Because they would. They would. Paul George has proven time and time again that when it's on him, he gave himself the nickname Playoff P. The irony of that is just Now, if you're stunning. taking this so personally, what are your thoughts on Dabrowski to the Phillies? I'm upset with that because he's won World Series in two different places, I believe. Yes. I think he has. Maybe not. I thought he won World Series in Miami and Boston. Correct. That's right. Um, I thought he got to the World Series in Detroit. I thought. Yep, twice. I, yeah. So, I mean, he's good. Boston. So, so if you could tie your ship to Bryce Harper and number one priority sign JT Real Muto, you feel pretty good even with the Braves and the Mets? Um, if I were the Phillies, yeah. I would. If I was a Phillies fan, I mean, who was, who's the odd team out in that? The aging Washington Nationals the may be the odd team. Washington yeah. Nationals. You know, I, I'm a, Na a Nats fan, so I root for them, and I hope that they get Real Muto. Uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't remain in Philadelphia. But that Philadelphia lineup... That everyday Philadelphia lineup last year was something. Yeah. I mean, I thought they underperformed with Joe Girardi. For the last two years, they've underperformed. Yeah, so I was surprised at that. Okay, uh, let me get my stuff out here. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will have Jason LaConfora. Am I correct about that? That is correct. Okay, I am Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the FitBot ad. Whether you're new to the gym or you've been lifting weights for years, it's hard to find the right workout program and stick to it. If you've ever gone to the gym without a plan, you know how overwhelming the weight room can feel. Even with a trainer, it can be hard to know if you're pushing yourself too much or not enough. But with FitBot, you can get a truly personalized fitness program that adapts as you go. It's a smart fitness app that takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts. FitBot's algorithm factors in your goals, experience level, equipment, workout duration, and muscle recovery to intelligently craft the perfect total body workout program just for you. I'm going to stop talking about this because I have a trainer. I have Helen, and I trust Helen implicitly, and I don't know anything about, not only don't I know anything about algorithms, but I haven't gotten email in three days on my own phone. Something's wrong with my phone. So I'm going to go to Nigel, who has this and uses this. Why don't you tell the people about FitBot? Well, one of the great things is, like right now, I don't feel great about going to a gym. And a lot of people might feel that way. And with FitBot, yes. it can give you the workout. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that work. Well, it's got a video in there that tells you how to do it. And it's like, oh, well, I don't have certain weights. It'll tailor it to you, what, what you have and your level, what you want to do. And it walks you through everything. It really is a brilliant companion to stay in shape, get in better shape, particularly now when you may not have access to the facilities that you normally do. 
So do you think when I see people come into a gym and they are looking at their phones and they consult their phones on a regular basis, sure. are they probably using something like Fitbod? I would, I would definitely think so. You'd be like, oh, what, yeah. what's the series of exercises? I always, I always think, why are you looking at your phone? What are you working out? Why are you doing this? But I guess there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, I would throw all phones in the toilet. And flush them. <laughs> you know, no equipment, no worries. Fitbot has body weight routines for those looking to get fit at home or on the go. Fitbot is super easy to use, even has HD video tutorials, as, as Nigel said, to make learning uh, new exercises a breeze. It integrates with other fitness and health apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava or Strava. Personalized training can be tough on the budget, but Fitbot is only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. Plus, you can try one month of workouts absolutely free. Get a personalized fitness plan that helps your workout smarter at fitbod.me slash Tony. Try Fitbod for free for one month when you sign up today at fitbod, F-I-T-B-O-D, dot me slash Tony. That's one free month when you sign up at fitbod.me slash Tony. So it's interesting. The line before that says free for one month, and the next line says one free month. Some copywriter must have decided if you change up on that, it will be more resonant with people listening. Stickier. I would say I don't agree with that, but that's just me. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Jesse. 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 <laughs> Jesse. This is Chris Brinkley in Tennessee with a song called Jesse Shut Up. He's a voice actor and an audio producer. He used music for the song from a royalty-free music catalog. That's good. He said, I want to send you a note and say thank you for doing the show during the pandemic. I've come to realize your voice is comfort audio to my ears, just like ice cream and pizza are comfort foods to most people. I recently spoke at a memorial service. I found myself listening to the podcast on my way to the service. I realize that when I'm a little down or stressed, I find your podcast very comforting. It's really nice. I appreciate that. It's... um. And I appreciate a song called Chessie Shut Up. And it plays in Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports. And I'll start with last night's game. Last night's game to me, and I, I was saying this on the PTI show yesterday. I said, look, I like Los Angeles in this game. I really do. But what makes me nervous is that um, Jared Goff, for some reason, has much worse numbers at home than he does on the road. And the other thing that makes me nervous is that Brian Flores – destroyed um, Jared Goff this year. And he was the defensive coordinator, of course, in the Super Bowl for the Patriots when they destroyed Jared Goff and he scored no points. It was like 13-3 for the entire game. So that's a long-winded way of saying that, or of asking you, what did what did that game last night actually tell us about those teams? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think it was probably too much of an ask uh, for the Patriots to be two weeks on the road, two weeks in L.A. Um, you know, I, I, I think as they're constructed right now, how much they want to run the ball, um, they're, they're kind of a cold-weather team, and they're, they're out there playing in this, you know, hermetically sealed dome. Uh, it doesn't really play to their strengths. You throw a couple of uh, big turnovers in the mix, and, and that's going to be uh, a road too far for them when they have to play from behind against pretty much anybody. And when they play from behind against a team that is, is playing a great ball control offense, you can't stop their run. We know they swing it all over the place, short and intermediate high percentage passes um, to keep that quarterback in a rhythm. Uh, that that was going to be a tough ask when they fell behind. Um, but you're right, Tony, that, that system, um, the Belichick family tree, it had some pretty good success against that McVay offense, but certainly not last night. And again, when, when you're talking about um, the defense scoring points and you're talking about 17 nothing early, that's, that's just not how this Patriots team is built. That, that's that's a, a recipe for disaster for them. So I was very worried about a bet that I had made before the season. Wilbon and I bet, and he took Belichick, and I took Brady, and I said Brady would have more wins than Belichick. Um, and it's not too disparage Belichick in any way because he's the greatest coach, just as Brady is the greatest quarterback. But it's harder, you know, if you don't have the players. I mean, Cam Newton is a wonderful runner, and Cam Newton has stood up and taken the criticism and been very self-critical all year. But he can't throw anymore. He just can't throw. You see it. Everybody sees it. He cannot throw the ball. The, they only... 
I think in five of the last six games, he's thrown it less than 20 times, right? I mean, they have you know, such trouble scoring. Yeah, I mean, that's how, they're, that's how they're built. I mean, they want to control the ball on the ground. Um, it's a bend, not break defense that doesn't have a lot of individual brilliance. They don't have, outside of a couple of corners, they don't have guys um, who are really going to affect the game on defense. Certainly they don't have a lot of pass rush. Um, Lawrence Guy is probably their best defensive lineman. I mean, he, he's a, a, a good, solid, you know, journeyman NFL defender, but he's not special. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they try to run an operation that covers up their their myriad warts and yeah. puts the, the guys they have um, in the best position to succeed, which with Cam, with no offseason, with limited practices, um, you know, with everything mostly being Zoom at this point with the protocols, you know, let's let's try to play to people's strengths and do what we do best. Um, and I think they're fine with that, you know. I, I think there's a part of Belichick that actually kind of gets off on, okay, everybody else wants to throw it 50 times a game, you know, and we just went off of having the greatest quarterback um, arguably in the history of the game. Now we're going to go do this completely different thing. No, I agree with that. I mean, it, it, it feeds his ego, and they've been, they did very well. For, like They won four out of five games. I just think that you know they were up against a better team. Let, let me get off that and get to what I think is the biggest story. And you won't think it's the biggest story, but to me, it's, it's an astonishment. And that is that NBC will not be showing the Cowboys against the 49ers in two weeks. Is it two weeks or is it? It's not this uh, week, yeah, right? Think, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, they usually do it. Have to do it two weeks before. Yeah, the Cowboys have been moved out of a Sunday night game and put into the black <laughs> hole of one p.m. on Sunday afternoon, and in their place will be the Browns, a a standing national joke for the last fifteen years against the Giants, who are so hot now that they've reached five and seven yeah. for a record, and that's going to be the Sunday night game. And, and the NFL will tell you that it's because it has playoff implications and the Cowboys and the 49ers do not. And I will tell you, this is rock bottom for Jerry yeah. Jones. What do you think? No, I, I agree with you. Um, I think the, the sort of the mainstream America, non-football, you know, junkie, but, um, you know, people who will watch the big game if it's on, I think they have uh, Cowboys fatigue. And I think certainly anybody who watches football with regularity has seen enough of that team. There's really nothing to be gained by watching them. Um, they don't really have any discernible strengths right now. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a tough ask to sit there and watch three and a half hours of that. Um, we just got another dose of it against the Ravens. I mean, a weird window, you know, Tuesday night, but it still was a national yeah. window by the yep. by and large. And, it, it, it's not aesthetically pleasing. The storylines are, are tired at this point. Um, it, it, it's, it's a team that, you know, frankly, if you, if you said, hey, Cowboys, your season's done, you're not playing any more games, you're forfeiting. Um, I don't know that there would be an uprising about that. Uh, so I get it, you know, and Cleveland's an interesting team, and you've got Joe Judge and Kevin Stefanski, two guys who will be in the discussion for Coach of the Year, um, yep. Two franchises that have been that are are, are are storied franchises for sure, but have had nothing but struggles at least for the last five you know five years with the Giants and even longer with the Browns. Um, no playoffs so I, in I, eighteen I, I, years. I yeah, no, yeah. I, I I get it. You know, and the Forty ers again with all their stars that are out and with them losing the way they did last week. That's kind of the end of their. Uh, you know, of any playoff drama with them. But you're right, for Jerry Jones, for the brand, for the star, for America's team, for all and, – and, and all that's mythology. I mean, not, not much of that is ground in reality anyway. Although, yeah, I mean, they do tend to get good ratings because um, they've been on national TV so much that they're certainly a national team, um, more so than a local or a regional team. But they're also a disaster. I, and they, they are. They stink. The two, two of their three wins were gift wins, the Giants yeah. game and, and the Falcons game. But I would yeah. tell you this. You work for CBS, and I essentially work for ABC at this point. Okay, that's uh, ESPN is ABC. Yeah. If you could say to CBS tomorrow or ABC tomorrow, we'll give you the Cowboys every single week at Sunday night or Monday night, 
people would would dive through fire to get the Cowboys because they rate. They've always rated. The NFL is the highest rated thing in television, and the Cowboys are by far the highest rated part of the NFL. So it's it's amazing to me. It is it actually unbelievable to me that this was unimaginable uh, that that's happened to the Cowboys. And I wonder, and I I do think Jerry Jones has to take this personally. Like, what does he do with Mike McCarthy? What does he do with Mike Nolan? What does he do with himself? What does he do now? I I don't think much changes, Tone. I mean, I I I, I mean, I guess this is more um, magnified and 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 more kind of put on a tee because of what we're talking about right now that being stripped of a primetime game and people just saying we don't want to see any more yeah. of this football team despite <laughs> yeah. the heritage and all that stuff. But this is, I mean, this is who they are. I, I, like, the idea that they've been any sort of real contender for anything significant, you know, since the, the Dez wasn't a catch, wasn't it a catch? Uh, they haven't. And even that year was an anomaly when compared to the whole of the last 20 years they're not well run. Um, they 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 tend to get caught up in their own hype and 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 think they're better than they are in large part because every year the owner who puts the roster together generally thinks they're a whole lot better yes. than they are. They're not yes. held accountable the way normal teams are. The coach is just sort of a guy to do what the owner wants, but can be circumvented at any point to get to the people who actually have power. Um, Jerry Jones, the football man, and Jerry Jones, you know, who wants to be the lovable uncle to a lot of these players he likes the best. There's no separation of state there. It's all the same guy. Um, It's just set up to fail year after year after year. I would be shocked if he does anything with Mike McCarthy. Um, But, yeah, will there be some changes on that staff? I'm I'm sure they will be, but I, I tend to think it'll be more cosmetic than anything else, you know, I mean, he's, he's got some really good people in his personnel department, like Will McClay, but ultimately it's Jerry's show. Everybody knows it's Jerry's show and Jerry's going to do what Jerry wants to do. And I, I don't think there's going to be at this stage of his life and at this stage of his career as an owner, some deep critical rethink where, you know, he spends January, uh, in, in, in this, the navel gazing and, and, taking, you know, notes on what everybody else thinks is wrong with his organization and then putting those recommendations in place. I, I just don't think that's who he is. That's where he is. And I don't think much is going to change in Dallas. I think this is this is baked into their cake. I agree with you 100%. Let me move on to a very interesting game this week. Again, for betting purposes, my bet with Wilbon. Tampa Bay has not looked good lately at all. They have nope. not. They play Minnesota. They're coming out of the bye week. They play Minnesota. Uh, the larger question for me is, is Arians getting the most out of Brady or is Arians sabotaging Tom Brady? Well, I mean, we just talked about introspection and, and, and course correction and, and um, looking within yourself to then change the whole to make it better for everyone and not just yourself. I don't think that's where B.A. is. At this stage, either I think BA is what he is. You get what you get. No risk it, no biscuit. This is how we do it. Uh, it's worked. It could still work. I don't think that's changing just because they, you know, they had a bye week. Uh, you know, a week thirteen late bye week. Um, that is, you know, somewhat unusual. And that for a team that was reeling the way they were reeling, particularly in terms of their offensive id, uh, it, it would be a great time to hit the pause button and to do things differently. Um, and to reinvent yourself, I don't get the sense that, that anything remotely like that is happening down there. Um, no, they're not getting the most out of Tom Brady. They're not playing to his strengths. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He's thrown the ball 30 yards or more in the air more times than anybody in the NFL. They run more, you know, two and three vertical routes at the same time um, more than anybody else. Uh, they, they get less throwing to their running backs than any other team in the league in terms of yards per attempt to running backs. Um they don't have that short intermediate passing game develop the way we've seen it with, with Brady teams, especially late era Brady teams over the age of, you know, 38. Um, the, the offensive line has slipped as the year has gone on. They don't change and alter the scope of their game plans greatly from week to week or quarter to quarter or half to half, depending on opponent and depending on trends. They're not a huge adjustment team. Um, you know, Byron Leftwich is not a proven accomplished play caller could Tom Brady do some things better 
Yeah, but they ask him to throw a ton of low-percentage passes at a stage in his career where the deep ball is not his forte. Um, and just thinking that, well, we got better receivers, so we'll win a lot of 50-50 balls. Well, you're not winning enough, and there's not been a whole lot of, of um, deep uh, philosophical adjustments there. And so I suspect what you see is what you get, you know, which which is going to be a team that probably doesn't go as far as a lot of people may have uh, suggested back in the summer. I'm one of those people. I thought they'd be a Super Bowl contender. I think he's being sabotaged. I'll ask you one more question, and I'll let you plug your radio show. Uh, Baltimore won, but they beat a bad Dallas team. Yeah. They are now favored against Cleveland, which I will say surprises me, even though I know the result of the first game of the season. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Are you surprised by that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's around two. It's not much of a favor. And, you know, Vegas is doing these things to induce, um, you know, the maximum number of bets as possible. So I I don't know that, that, you know, those bookies in their heart of hearts, um, which I guess they they have. uh, They have hearts. Yeah. Uh, I don't know Maybe. that they necessarily think. Yeah, I don't know that they necessarily think Baltimore's a better team. I would say throw out Week One, for sure. These yeah. are different teams yeah. than they were right. Th- you know, at that time, from a personal standpoint. Excuse me. From in the case of the Browns, certainly from an uh, uh, an identity standpoint, they they know mu- they're much more comfortable in their own skin now than they were in Kevin Stefanski's first game as an NFL head coach without having a preseason and all that stuff. Um, you know, it, it, these two teams both want to run the ball. Uh, I, I think the Ravens are now at a point where they know that if we're not running Lamar close to 15 times a game, we're not giving ourselves the best chance to win. The idea that we could, you know, throw more and run less is, is not going to be um, the reality. It doesn't lead to a winning equation. I, I, I don't know about this one, Tone. I go back and forth. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've, like, got my final, you know, prediction in my head yet. Um, but I, I think Lamar, you talk to people in that building, there's a sense that Lamar going through this COVID situation, feeling really sick, getting to play football again, that maybe he's sort of unburdened himself from the weight of that 14 and two season and the weight of that MVP and all the expectations coming into this year. And it's just kind of back to, Let's let Lamar make some plays. Let's let him do what he does. Let's embrace the scramble drill um, as a means to sustain our offense. And, and you know, they, they may have sort of just unlocked a little something there where let's, not, let's stop throwing more and more and more at this kid and talking about what we should be or what we could be and just be who we are, which is offensively um, the same limitations they had a year ago. In some cases, maybe even more limitations in the past game. That's good. It's good analysis. I appreciate appreciate that. You know that you know all teams well, but you know that team better than most. Plug the radio show for us. Tone, if you want more insight or alleged insight into what is <laughs> or perhaps isn't going on with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, then you certainly want to listen to Inside Access from two to six daily on one oh five seven the fan in Baltimore. You can stream us live at the one oh five seven the fan website or listen to the entire show. If you're out of market on the radio.com app, I've been told it's the perfect complement to Tony's podcast. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, I hope that's we'll true. take that for what it is. Hope that's true. Thank you, that, Jason. I completely made that part up, but whatever. It's okay. I hope it's true. <laughs> Jason Lockenfora, <laughs> boys and girls. Thanks, guys. We will come back with Jeff Ma and his picks this week. He's 7-2 and two in the last two weeks, Jeff Ma. That's pretty good. He's above 500. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Honey ad. I'm just going to read it straight. The first time I read this ad, I said, why wouldn't everybody be involved in this? It just seems reasonable to me. Imagine this. You make a list of the gifts you're going to buy for the holidays, and then someone randomly gives you the money to help buy one. Sound good? Well, that's what Honey is doing. They're helping pay for $1 million worth of gifts. You're probably wondering, is this the same Honey that automatically searches for promo codes online? Yes. Yes, it is. With Honey, you can also make a list of all the holiday gifts you want from certain stores. And Honey will email you when the price drops on anything on your list. They, they track this. That We have this on our home computer. Wow. Just add Honey to your computer, as Michael has done. Both. Create a free account and throw some holiday gifts on your drop list for a chance to win. It tells you when the best time to buy it is. Honey will randomly select winners and give them the money to help buy something on their list. That's tremendous. What is a drop list? 
What does that mean? So I can tag something, pull it off to the side and say, I might be looking at this for later. And it'll actually cue it up as to typically it's best to buy this now. Can you help me get my email back on my phone? <laughs> Thank you. No purchase necessary. You need a PayPal account. I'm done. You need a PayPal account to redeem the prize. Only valid in the United States. Giveaway ends the 21st of uh, December. So that's in 10 days. Um, get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Tony K. That's join, J-O-I-N, honey, H-O-N-E-Y, dot com slash Tony K. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Joe Marshall, who writes, It's been some time, still listening out here in Berlin, with activities at zero. I've been enjoying the podcast while cycling circles around the old Tempelhof Airfield, now City Park. Here's a new song called High Tide off my album of bits and pieces recorded in Berlin over the past couple of years. The album is occasionally productive. You can find it on Bandcamp, Spotify, and all other places of music consumption. And he also says he dearly appreciates the bottomless insight of Jason Locke and Fora. And Jason is great. Jason's absolutely great. This is Joe Marshall with High Tide. You can hear his music. You can hear the previous music, the Shut Up Chessie song in its entirety at the end of the podcast. Michael, how do people send music in? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Jeff Ma joins us now. As I said before, he was 4-1 and one last week. He's 7-2 and two over the last two weeks. He's 31-30-3, which is good. We had a slight dispute with Chuck Todd the other day because I had said that I took away the Baltimore wins from both of you because you said that if a game was played at a different time, you know, than scheduled, that game would come off the board. And he said that wasn't necessarily true. Is, is there a dispute here? Or can both of you be right, depending on who you bet with? I mean, it depends. Different time or different day? Like, it, it was a completely different day. If, if they different day, the yeah. Time of a game, for sure. It. Um, I think there's probably very few book books or sports books that you're betting with that didn't take that off and, and give you a chance to either rebet it or, or not bet it again. So I, okay. I couldn't in good faith take that win. All right. But no, that's we, fine. We live, in a, we live in a world where people, you know, live on technicalities and, and hope for, you know, fraud that didn't really happen <laughs> anyway. So. Right, but we could revisit the score if you'd like afterwards and maybe deny the actual score. If you'd like to do that, we could do that. And we could go to the Supreme Court about it. We could do that. Before you get to your games, there's a topic I'd like to discuss, and that is home field, which, having been a sports writer literally for 50 years, home field is, is burned into my brain. Home field is important. But what we are seeing, I believe, is that home field is important when fans are in the stands and there, is, there are atmospheric conditions that favor the home team. Am I right about that? Has the home field advantage uh, almost disintegrated this year, or am I wrong? Well, th there's always been a lot of debate, especially amongst you know, people that bet, what are the contributing factors that drive home field? So typically, home field in the NFL has ranged anywhere from sort of two and a half to three points historically as, as the difference. And actually, over the last few years, that number has gone down more and more, and people are trying to understand why it is. They have mm -hmm. theories like the travel for people is a lot easier, um, the familiarity or the, the you know, like the tra travel, everything's just becoming more familiar. And also, since there's a lot more analytics and scrutiny on referees now, uh, refs are, are, are a lot more even. So... But again, like no one's really been able to figure this out for sure. This year, it has looked like there has been no home field, which I think people at the beginning of the year, especially professional bettors, were trying to guess what it would end up being and, and how they actually put that into their handicapping. But as we've seen this year from, from a couple different studies and actually just looking at the raw numbers that home teams are basically 500, not against wow. the spread, just absolutely – you're seeing very little home field uh, advantage. And, and again, like there's always been this notion that travel was a big factor and all this kind of stuff. But I just think because of the weirdness of COVID, you have a situation where like both teams are sort of being put out at, at different, in different ways, regardless of whether they're home or, or away. These all end up feeling like neutral site games. 
Okay, that's good to know. And, and the second question I have, Nigel brought this up, and I'm sure you would be familiar with this. You and Rufus would have to have dealt with this on Bet the Process. The Giants are the number one team against the spread all year? The Giants have been? Well, well this, this comes back to this idea, right, that, that you know, when I pick these teams um, every Friday morning, you say to me, these teams you're picking are not very good. Right. And I wouldn't argue with you that they're, they're better than the team they're playing, but that's why these point spreads and, and the numbers, you know, that, that when, when you see a large spread, it, it, there is a lot of incentive to take the underdog. And, and so oftentimes teams that, you know, are really good, like the, the, you know, like the Chiefs, their point spread record is close to 500 because they're essentially just priced in how good they are. So a team like the Giants, it's, they, they've outperformed expectations. And, and you would say that looking back now, they certainly have um, outperformed expectations, correct? Yeah, they're 5-7. and seven. They started out 0-5. Yes, absolutely I would say that. Sure. So, you know, that, that's why that I often take these bad teams because the reality is that um, the point spread is the, the sort of great equalizer. Okay. So give us what you got this week because you're hot. <laughs> so that, that, that notion of being hot is something that we have to avoid, right? Because, you know, I've always said to you when, when things are going badly, I think, you know, like I'll, I'll still be doing the same things. And when things are going well, I, I'm still doing the same thing. So it's, you know, it, it, it hopefully will remain hot, but I, I don't necessarily believe in something like that. So we're going to start with Green Bay minus seven and a half. Um, you know, we were on Detroit last week. We, we even got an outright win there, but the, the Detroit defense is just bad. And against the Green Bay offense, I, I, that is, that's, you know, one of, it's playing, playing incredible. And, you know, I don't see a world where Detroit's going to get any pressure on Rodgers. And with that, I don't see a, a situation where Green Bay is even going to get stopped. I think Detroit is going to have a lot of trouble getting one stop, two stops. And, with the injuries they have on defense, the, their mediocre defense just gets even worse. Okay. I'm going to take your favorite team, the Jets, plus the 13 and a half. Uh, it's just a lot of points to a Seattle team who I know is playing better, um, but, but, you know, they, there are, I mean, sorry, I, I know, I know is struggling, but on defense yeah. is playing better. Um, you know, you have a situation here where 13 and a half points against the Jets team, that um, offensively finally has all their quote-unquote weapons back um, and was able to move the ball against the Raiders, um, you know, and finally got rid of Greg Williams. I, I, I like this plus the 13 and a half. Okay. I'm going to take the Chargers plus the two and a half. Um, obviously, Atlanta's surging, playing much better um, since, since they fired Dan Quinn. Um, and the Chargers are coming off a complete drubbing. Terrible. Um, but, oh, terrible you know, game, yeah. Yeah, terrible, especially in light of, of how bad the, the Patriots looked last night. Makes that Chargers um, loss look even worse. But two and a half points, I think, here with, with the, you know, an offense and, and Herbert. I mean, I, I think, you know, the Chargers will be able to move the ball pretty well, and I do think that this is a game that they will outright win. Wow. I'd have gone the other way in that. What else you got? I'm going to take San Francisco minus three against Washington, your team. I know that, that your team is surging. And, and again, this is one of those situations where if at the beginning of the year I told you that Washington was going to go into San Francisco or, in this case, Arizona, and they were only going to be a, a, a three-point underdog, what would you have said? I would have been very surprised. Yes, very surprised yeah. because I thought because San Francisco was a Super Bowl team. Yeah, sure, I'd be tremendously surprised. Yeah. So you're just getting a lot of value here, and I know San Francisco has had injuries and, and whatnot, but I do think that this is a game that they'll win by, by a touchdown. Okay, what else? I'm going to take Buffalo minus the one against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, to me, kind of showed some of their true colors last week against your team. Um, I, I, I like Buffalo here with you know, Josh Allen having played what was probably his best game as a professional last week. Um, and, you know, at home, I know, I know we said they don't have a lot of home field advantage, but it's just hard not to think about this being, you know, this basically essentially being a pick 'em 
um, for Team Buffalo that that could be equal to Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh is a team that you know was what a lot of people thought was sort of the most fraudulent undefeated team, and they sort of proved that out last week. So I think again, this is a game um, where they may struggle a bit, and I, I see Buffalo winning this game. Let me go over this for a second. You say Buffalo minus one. This thing opened at Pittsburgh minus one and a half, and within 48 hours was Pittsburgh plus two and a half, and is now Pittsburgh plus one. What What is going on with this game? I mean, that's a wild ride, is it not? No, it's not that wild a ride. When you, no? when you, you know, if you two points or three and a half point moves are big if they're around key numbers or if they're, you know, if, if you go from, say, two and a half to four and a half or one and a half to four, that's a bigger deal. When you go past zero, um, it doesn't matter as much and it doesn't take as much money to move this um, as you would think. Wow, just that seemed wild to me. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Um, everybody can get Bet the Process with Jeff Ma and Rufus Peabody. You can access that and you can go into depth on all of these things. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. Um, we will take a break. We will come back with email, right, and a jingle. Kirsten Onstad, who's who admonishes me. She says, lay off the Subaru drivers, will you? <laughs> Everyone knows we can love more than anyone else has the capacity to love. But honestly, you're making it difficult even for us. <laughs> what can I say? I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. All right, I've received some feedback, emphasis on the personal pronouns. I'm going to try and give this ExpressVPN read just that little bit extra. Okay, it's December, which means we can officially start watching Christmas movies. We never stopped in this house. But what if you go to Netflix and discover your favorite Christmas movie isn't available? The Whore. Get ready to have your mind blown. You can use ExpressVPN to watch any Netflix library in the world. This weekend, try using ExpressVPN to stream a classic Christmas movie. And by classics, they're offering up Elf on German Netflix. You haven't really tried Netflix till you tried German Netflix. Absolutely. Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Die sure. Hard, South Korean Netflix, or a classic TV episode. I know I would check out South Park, Mr. Hanky, The Christmas Poo <laughs> on UK Netflix. So with ExpressVPN, you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can explore. And of course, it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Disney+, Plus, the Hulu, BBC iPlayer, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but you should use ExpressVPN to watch movies and shows because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering. Can't have buffering when you're trying to stream. And you can always stream in HD. ExpressVPN works with all your devices, phones, tablets, media consoles, smart TVs, so you can use it to watch whatever you want or on the go with the big screen. If you visit the special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Tony, you get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and get your holiday fix at expressvpn.com slash Tony. Honestly, it's like Paul Silas. I want to say, am I speaking Chinese? I don't know what he said. I don't know any. I don't understand any. I am so out of it. I, that's why Michael does you that. You lost read. me at the tablet, it's didn't you? Very. I did. Uh, devices. You know, I keep thinking of a La Crusade pot. Can I see TV on this? Good read. Very good read. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. He strolls the sidewalks, Chessie at his sidewalks. Poor dogs far from beguiled. There's a car that would make her a princess. His children's future and a climate booster, saving lives with each mile. Still he chooses to suffer in his beamer. What the hell? She's really good. What the hell? What the hell? There's something wrong with his thinking. <laughs> ding a ling, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. With a Subaru each day is Christmas Day. That's <laughs> just so good. It's so good. Thank you, Kirsten. 
So good. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad here? Yes, thank you, Mr. Tony. Uh, Bethesda bagels. We've got the bagel sandwiches today. Sausage sandwiches. I think you guys were pleased Two with Two sausage, one bacon. Yes. We could go for three sausage. It would be okay. Or fighting over the bacon. Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> but yes, if you're looking for the Bethesda bagels nearest you in the D.C. area, just go to BethesdaBagels.com and stop on in, and you will be thrilled. All right, that's about it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, expired. 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 <laughs> Michael, did you get my friend request? Uh, thanks to our guest today, Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports and Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks as well to our sponsors, Honey, FitBot, and ExpressVPN. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Jen Knuthurai in Rockville, Maryland. You left out one key thing when describing your solo golf trip. Did skipping holes change the payday break, or did you skip that too? I did not bring a payday with me. I did not. While I'm also pointing out the obvious, I wanted to discuss the simple solution to your return shipping dilemma. Much like Nigel printed this email and brought it to your house, he could have brought brought you a printed return label. Don't want to cross that college line? Perhaps your son, Michael, who had set up a print and ship for t-shirts, could have worked that one out for you. However, knowing your doctorate status, it leads me to believe that instead of a lack of common sense, your calling of customer service was instead a cry for human interaction after spending months in the attic. Hang in there, Grandpa. Josh Barber from Fort Lee, New Jersey writes, I listen to the podcast on my commute to and from work. Winter in Manhattan is cold and I'm on foot a lot, which means my phone remains in my pocket. I don't often use the skip feature because to do this, I have to reach into my pocket, take out my phone, wait for my masked face not to be recognized by the facial recognition software, expose my ungloved hand to the freezing cold just to open it and skip ahead by 15 seconds. However, your recount of what holes you did and didn't play was enough for me to overcome these hurdles. Can't wait to hear about your next adventure, parking spots you did and did not park in at the Safeway next week. From Jason Anschutz in Fargo, North Dakota. On Wednesday's pod, you regaled your listeners with tales of entertainment the likes of which haven't occurred since Charlton Heston won the chariot race in Ben-Hur. <laughs> Tell us again, how many times did you play the 15th hole? Unfortunately, you finished the tale by backpedaling, saying, now I've bored everyone with my own self-indulgence. Please. Mr. Tony, if we were bored by your self-indulgence, we wouldn't listen to this show. In fact, I think most of your listeners aspire to your level of self-indulgence. Me, I would kill to have a single person in my family listen to just one story about my round of golf. You do it and then advertisers pay you to keep doing it. Bravo. From Kyle Martineau. Early in the show, you lamented you were boring us with your own self-indulgence. What else do you think we listen for? A betting monkey, bagel ads, a former water pole player's picks, and promo codes for free steaks? Tuning into the tomfoolery of a comma 72-year-old, this is what the people want. From Puvin Ramamdum, in case I had to do that, from Royal Oak, Michigan. He had a pronunciation guide in this. I I don't know if it's he. It could be she. I don't know. Pavan. I don't know. Um, Thank you for going through your entire round of single golf on the podcast. I might have been the only one listening at the time, but as a frequent single golfer, I appreciated hearing your strategy for navigating the groups on the golf course. I'm a busy pediatric surgeon with young kids, so it's hard to schedule time to play. I frequently go out on the course on random afternoons and play by myself. I always feel a little sneaky when I skip ahead of groups and then play holes over and over. So now the next time a course ranger comes up to me, I'll just tell him I learned it from you. Keep up the good work and thanks for the pod. And I've always wondered, at what point in time did you decide to give up on technology? It's not that I decided to. It just raced away from me. I couldn't keep up with it. Was it the first word processor program in the 80s or was it an electric typewriter? I never liked the electric typewriter because I had a heavy hand and I ended up typing, you know, letters that I didn't really want. Anyway, thanks for the good times on both PTI and the podcast. Thank you. From Dennis McCann in, uh, McCann in Bayfield, Wisconsin. Thank you for that exciting wrap-up of your recent round of golf. Now that I've found somebody who cares, here's the story of my last round before our course on Lake Superior closed for the season. Number one was open, so we played that. Number two was open, also three, so we played them in order. Four was open, so we teed off and then scooted through five and six as well. Number seven is a bear of a par five, but it was open, so we played it. And then closed out the front by playing eight and nine. Ten was open, we played that, then the short par, three eleventh. 12 was open all the way downhill, so we played that, then took on 13, 14, and 15, all short par fours. Wouldn't you know, 16 was open, so we played that, and hey, where did everybody go? But thanks for listening. I played about 100 rounds this year. I've got a lot more to share. Just let me know. It might sound familiar, though. That's actually pretty funny. Kyle in Little Rock by way of D.C. I want to join the chorus of Littles, grateful for decades of laugh. 
I grew up around the corner from Wagshaw's, and I graduated from Sidwell Friends. Oh. Go Quakers, Michael. I live in Little Rock now for work, yet still find myself occasionally chuckling at, chuckling at a story you told years ago on Sports Talk 980 about installing a ceiling fan. Your podcast not only provides much-needed joy, it helps me feel connected to the hometown I miss dearly. I write only to say this. Can you ask Kevin how the barometric pressure in late March will affect Wander Suero? That's actually sort of funny. <laughs> Apparently, Kevin's forecast was a big hit. and Because we've gotten a lot of email about Kevin's forecast. I'll, I'll just read this. It's a long one, but it's from Harry Howell, okay, in Westlake, Ohio. First, a happy Hanukkah to you and yours. As always, Kip Sheeman's winter weather forecast on Wednesday's show was the highlight of the season. And when he tried to horn in on the Window Nation referral, I loved Gary's retort. Tell him Tony sent you. My immediate response was, I did that. We were shopping for new windows for our little house where our son lives and naturally called Window Nation. After discussing our needs in a deal, buy two, get two, 0% five years, the nice young woman on the phone asked, where did you hear about us? This was the big moment. The Tony Kornheiser show, I said excitedly. Crickets. After an awkward <laughs> pause, I just told her to tell Harley and Aaron that Tony sent me. At least I tried. Thanks for helping make 2020 more bearable. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the micro wave. <laughs> <laughs> the micro wave, that's tremendous. Jesse. 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 Shut up. Jesse. Shut up. Jesse. Jesse, shut up. I mean, I, th I think there should be a narrator. Okay. Jesse. Okay. Jesse. Jesse, shut up. I mean, I, th I think there should be a narrator. Okay. Jesse. Jesse. Jesse, shut up. So Tony was Jesse. doing the podcast Jesse. at Uncle Benny's table. Jesse. And his dog Jesse. barked. Yeah, like that. Yep, just like that. And Tony, with his infinite patience and love, told Jesse. Jesse, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. That's all. That's all. If you're out on your bike tight, everyone is always to wear white. Yeah. 